0: Thanks Out Loud as firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expand upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we're spouting off about all the fun games you can play that are Christmas related. Let's get into episode 44. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. This week, we finally have Matt back, our gaming extraordinaire. You have so much to make up for, and I think this episode will make it happen. Plus, we have Nate, our OpenSUSE expert on the network. How are you both?
1: Well, I'm missing Bill already.
0: (laughs) We're just getting started.
2: Oh, Oh, okay. That's the reason he's missing Bill already.
0: Yes. Have you had a good break, Matt?
2: Sure. <laughs> not much of a break.
0: <laughs> yeah, not really a break.
2: A break from the show? No. Break from life? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work that time of year. Got to do what I got to do. Unfortunately, I appreciate Bill filling in for the last couple of episodes with me. Not yeah, lingering. so do I. hopefully, <laughs> I know you know <laughs> a little more um, positivity thrown Nate's way instead of you know generically me throwing Nate under a bus. You know then backing up the bus and then going forward.
1: The big difference is when Bill is here, he provides like solution and insight. When you were here, you provide insults and game (laughs) recommendations that cost me money. So, I mean, like, come on, man, I'll take the insults (laughs) and the game recommendations.
0: But it's all in good fun. You've had all kinds of extra work that's kept you away from Linux out loud, but you still have been able to do some game sphere. What do you got going on with that right now?
2: For those that don't know, Nate, you'll actually know who these people are JSON. Oh, yes. They are one of the first companies to actually make Steam Deck accessories specifically for the Steam Deck before Valve even did. They were one of the first ones to actually have a Steam Deck doc, I love saying that, before Valve did, like before the official one. I can speak to the quality of that particular dock because I went with the low-end model. Very good for what it is. I know, Nate, you have the more kind of expensive
1: one. Yep, with the USB 3.
2: Better than your homemade solution?
1: Uh, mostly, yeah. I mean, number one, the plug is great because the way it's got the little like right angle thing going on. It holds the Steam Deck in place. You don't have to worry about it falling over. Although I do have to say I got the case to go along with it, but it won't fit in the dock with the case. So I'm going to have to make a slight modification to hybridize, I guess, the um, <laughs> the dock, but that's not a big deal. I have a solution in mind for it already. But other than that, if I didn't have the case on it, it'd be great. With the case, right now, I just open up the kickstand and then just kind of have a kickstand over the dock. But having mm-hmm. all those ports and everything plugged into the TV as well as like charging the other controllers and whatnot. Yeah, it's great. I really love it. Video game console. <laughs> yeah, right. And that, Actually, that's the other thing too. So it's a dock. I could use it with my computer as well. So it's not just a video game console dock. So it could be multifunction, really.
2: Speaking of someone, I've used it as, you know, when I was using the Steam Deck as the PC.
1: Works really well. Yeah, I'm sure it does. And then uh, also what's been fun is, so my kids are really into cooking simulator right now, and I surreptitiously put a Logitech dongle in the dock station. So when my oldest was playing cooking simulator, I just turned on the other keyboard, and I would just kind of, you know, drag my thumb across the pad. You know, it'd be very slowly, so he just thought that maybe he was, it was like bad input or whatever, like he wasn't doing something right. And I just <laughs> kind of kept doing that, and you realize that something was going on here, something fishy was going on here, and then, you know, yeah, I was busted. But nonetheless... Yes, it's a lot of fun. The dock is great. Now my kids check it before they start playing because they don't trust me. But outside of that... Smart kids. Because they don't trust me. Yeah, you're right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But the point I was going to make is that JSOC has been in contact with me and we are going to be getting some unboxings and some reviews of some JSOC Steam Deck specific stuff for GameSphere. Awesome! Can't speak specifically to what it is quite yet, but those will be along the way. So... Those should be fun because there's three things coming and it uh, it depends if they all show up at once, then I might do like one of the live streams as the unboxing stuff, kind of like what I did with the Steam Deck.
1: Nice. That's really awesome.
2: Good things for uh, GameSphere there. We'll be taking a look at that and seeing how that goes because some of the stuff that they have is very, very, very interesting to me because it's not the traditional accessories company from what I've seen. Thank you, Val, for open
1: sourcing those CAD files. Well, I certainly can't wait for that.
0: (laughs) I can. I mean, great. This is
1: so awesome. You just need to bite the bullet, Wendy. Get a Steam Deck. (laughs) And then once you have the Steam Deck, you will understand. It'll be like an awakening for you.
0: An awakening?
1: Yes. (laughs) The best way to sell it to her is as a, Wendy, do you need a cheap computer? Here you go. A high-powered, cheap
2: computer.
0: Yes, that would be the better way to sell it to me, is as a cheap computer that's multifunctional, without a doubt.
2: By the way, you can upgrade it, too, without getting the void warranty stuff, so just saying. But anyway, so while I've been having that conversation about getting some interesting hardware and stuff, Nate, it looks like you're going down more of the hardware route with the Commodore.
1: I am. A while ago... By a while ago, I mean like nine ish months ago, I built what I call my Commodore 1541 imposter. Now, the Commodore 1541 is a floppy disk drive for the Commodore 64. And what I needed for my Commodore 64 imposter was like card reader slots, more USB slots, things like that. And what I did is I finally finished a video on me going through the process to figure out how to put all these features inside the case. And then go through the design process, but through like the, the design iteration process of how I figured it out and then printed off the parts. So here's where Matt falls asleep because I'm talking about 3D printing and then put everything inside this 40 year old disk drive case. That I could use it for my modern system. So, you know, it color matches the modern system. It's very convenient. I use it all the time. Every time I, you know, flash an SD card for a Raspberry Pi, or if I have to plug in, you know, an accessory like a USB drive, instead of reaching behind the computer, I just plug it into the front of this. So it's a great little companion device. It's a media module. I also have an extra two terabyte hard drive inside of it additional storage or a hard drive an ssd because who puts hard drives in anything anymore right i have an ssd inside of it and i made accommodations for the cradle or tray that everything sits in so that everything's mounted nicely it is a bit of a spaghetti mess inside there which i do show but i do zip tie things up to kind of tidy it up as much as possible without actually making custom cables everything is just basically off the shelf parts except for a soldering in resistor so i can power the led in the front that's it really everything else is all well okay there are some cables that are cut some power cables that are cut but those are you know not a big deal and then soldering into a switch and everything else so it is actually like a complete device with a physical toggle switch on the back to turn things on and off and iec connector in the back you know the, the stand like we'd see in the back of the pc plug and then instead of having the din style connectors in the back there's usb 3 connectors it's basically a fully functional modern device that's actually i don't want to say practical but that practical because it's you know already in the container and so forth anyway so i did a video on it i published it and also like all the details of the cost of the parts and everything on cubicle.com and the link should be in the show notes
0: with all the other projects you've had going on i'm kind of surprised that you've been able to get this one completed.
1: yeah i'm a little bit of a uh, spaz I, I jump around pretty quick on things so i have to really push myself to commit to finishing something before i move on to the next thing and there's a lot of other things that i really want to get to and even at the end of the video i I got a little teaser as to what I'll be working on next. Ooh. Yeah, probably not for a couple of weeks, but I'll be starting that in a couple of weeks because of the other projects that are on the list. Like, I need to hammer some stuff out here before the end of the year. <laughs>
0: I'm kind of surprised you didn't bring this up last week, because there was so much of last week's discussion that was on retro stuff that it would have fit really, really nicely into that. But I guess you need to spread some retro around every week, right?
1: Also, the video wasn't done last week. So that's the other issue. Ah, gotcha. (laughs) Well, Wendy, I talked a little bit about 3D printing, and I guess you have some 3D printing news as well.
0: I do have some 3D printing news. So our little FLL team, our Explorer teams, are having their expo tomorrow, and our older teams are actually hosting the expo so that means we need to get all the awards and stuff situated well i am completely out of filament and i absolutely need to get some ordered. but oh. i've been struggling on what to order and every time i go to order it i'm like uh, oh, i don't know and it's mainly just because I haven't really tried anything and I want to make sure I'm getting something good. Right. But not something super expensive. Well, my co-mentor and the older team have a Prusa 3D printer and they have some Prusa PETG that they've been using to help build some of their parts for their robot. And so I have a roll of black and a roll of neon green from her And I originally was going to print some little Legos. And on the Legos has the team names and the team number on them. I was given kind of a warning ahead of time because the library had printed some stuff off for the older team and she forgot to get it re-vacuum sealed. So they're in bags, but it's just not vacuum sealed. And she's like, "Ah, it might be a little bit too humid for it right now. It might have to go into the filament dryer. Well, yesterday, trying to print these Legos, it became an absolute stringy mess. It was not good. And so I shut down the print and I couldn't get the filament back to her yesterday and said, hey, you know, I can get it to you tomorrow. It would have to sit in the dryer for at least six hours and then go about printing things. And our deadline's really tight because this all has to be done by Thursday night. And I had started trying to get this stuff printed on Tuesday. So... We've got three liters and the other mentor also has a 3D printer and she got to work actually getting these little Legos printed. I was talking to the mentor who I borrowed the filament from today and she said, hey, I just got to thinking about it, but especially when the air is more humid and it definitely is right now, we've had quite a few storms rolling in. It's snowing as we speak. And she goes, you know, when I turn it up 10 more degrees on my hot end temperature, that can make the difference. That can kind of help it print smoother when that humidity is higher. So I said, all right, I'm in town right now. But as soon as I get home, I will take the awards because we're 3D printing the awards. Her older team designed what the awards look like. She put it together in CAD and has sent me the STL files. And right now the bases are printing. So because it's PETG, it prints at a much higher temperature. I'm using the Prusa Slicer. This is Prusa Filament. And so I just went with what it had told me to use. I didn't change anything on the Lego blocks. This time, I took it up 10 degrees. So the Legos were printing at 245 degrees Celsius. And right now, I am printing the bases of the awards at 255 degrees celsius which is near the limit of what my printer can do its maximum temperature out with the hot end it has is 260 but it is making a difference the bases are looking absolutely fantastic they will get done right around 11 pm tonight and then i will go ahead and start the printing process of the tops of the awards To make sure that if anything goes wrong, I still have time to get them printed before tomorrow night.
1: I think 260 is my limit as well. I've done a lot of prints at 240, like for ABS, and I haven't had any issues there. I actually have a roll of PETG. I just haven't used it yet. Do you have a completed print now of PETG items yet?
0: Unfortunately, I don't. But the mentor that I borrowed this from has quite a few different finished prints of PETG. And so far, I absolutely love it. And I think that's what I'm going to be ordering because the only thing I've used is PLA. And then it was the Creality PLA. And so I don't know that I had the best filament to start with. And soon as that top layer, that base layer was going down on the PETG and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so much smoother than what I've had. And one of the things that I like about this filament over the PLA is it's so much stronger so much stronger and can stand up to so much more heat than the PLA. So I think for my average prints, we're going to stick with PETG, though it doesn't seem to come in those color changes that a lot of the PLA does. So there might be times we jump back to that, but I think my average print is going to be the PETG. My temperatures have to be a little bit higher for that. And if I ever get the case built on it, I need some time to even build it but if i ever get the case built around that then i think it'll help with those temperatures too. help keep it a little bit more stable we don't keep the house super cold during the day i mean it's comfortable it's not crazy hot it's comfortable but those are pretty high temperatures when we're talking converting that to fahrenheit so just to be able to trap that heat in there i think a little bit better will help but i haven't had any issues with it coming off the plate I was really, really worried that the Legos were going to shift. Now, I did put a brim down on them because I was printing, I think, 26 Legos in one go. I didn't want to risk one little piece moving and then end up destroying the entire print. So I did lay a brim down, but it adhered amazingly well. And even when the kids were chipping off those Lego pieces, I was astonished at how well they hold up. I am a big fan now of the PETG.
1: Yeah, I should give PETG a try. I've heard a lot of other good things about it. I will say that PLA Plus is significantly better than PLA, although there's a bit more of an expense to it. But as right. far as like finish and... The, I don't know if you notice, like sometimes with a PLA, you get kind of this weird like brittleness about it, like in yes. thin areas. And like where the layers don't adhere well to the other layer for whatever reason. The PLA Plus... Doesn't seem to have that issue, so I don't know what they're doing different there and what you know special herbs and spices they're putting in it to be better. But uh, that is something also look at as well. I like ABS, but any of the larger prints with ABS invariably curl. And I've cranked up my bed temperature to the maximum 110. I've played on the different print temperatures as well with no success on preventing the curl on larger prints. But for smaller prints, you know, by smaller I mean at the most like 80 by 80 millimeters. If it's within that. It's usually no problem at all, unless you put like yeah, put a brim on it.
0: From the reviews I've looked at, PETG seems to be a nice balance between PLA and ABS. Okay. So it has the ease of printing of PLA. But with the heat resistance and the added strength of a lot of the ABS without some of that really nasty off-gassing that you can get with it.
1: Well, when you have an enclosure, you don't notice that off-gassing.
0: Right. But right now, mine's sitting in my kitchen. So I'd really rather not have some funky off-gassing smells coming from it. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, it would be good when you're making burritos (laughs) or something in the uh, kitchen.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: You don't have ABS-flavored burritos.
0: The 3D printer does need to find another home. We have a spare room that's been where all of our junk collects. And we've been talking about turning that more into a crafting room. So that's where the 3D printer would go. That's where some of the other stuff that I'm going to talk about later will go. But we just have to see. I need to have time, right? I need to have time to put the enclosure on. I need to have time to completely gut that room and rearrange everything. Heck, my whole house needs a complete gone through. But that's a whole nother story. And so getting it out of the space it's in right now is a top priority just for it not getting bumped and not being in the realm of where we're cooking. Okay, so it's not directly in my kitchen. It's in the dining room, but the dining room is like right next to the kitchen. You can see my stove from where the 3D printer is. It's got to go somewhere else.
1: Yeah, you don't want to get like grease from the kitchen, from the stove on 3D printer. I'm sure it wouldn't be good for print adhesion onto the heat bed.
0: Right, exactly. And not good for those internal parts as well.
1: This episode of Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, well, let's say, complex, especially for a guy like me. But standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. Predictable pricing. Robust product documentation and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. Get support at every stage of growth from teams of one, so just you, to teams of a thousand with simple, powerful cloud computing. And growing at DigitalOcean, as a listener of Linux Out Loud and a member of the Tux Digital Community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a hundred-dollar credit when you sign up at do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, go to get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform. Go to do.co slash tux2022.
0: I can hear the Christmas music playing in my head, and now it's time to dive into some Christmas games With Nate and Matt, this list looks absolutely amazing. I can't wait to talk about some of these. You've done quite a bit of research, Nate, to find these games.
1: I can't take all the credit here. Matt threw in a bunch of line items here right before the show started. And to start off with the first one, Matt, I know you're a big gnome desktop user so obviously you included the falling snow on the gnome desktop
2: which is actually a, a gnome or gnome sorry extension that you can get
1: from the extensions of the website
2: and yes it does work with the version 42 of gnome put a christmas tree in the background and watch the snow fly on your <laughs> gnome desktop
1: <laughs> that's beautiful so this
0: is kind of funny it isn't actually a game but now you can have snow on your desktop i think i'd enjoy this a lot if i lived somewhere where you didn't get snow But right now it's snowing outside and I know I have to drive in it tomorrow morning, so I don't need snow on my desktop. But great for anybody else who does.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the only one that's put some other uh, line items in, Nate. You have uh, something else that, well, you can do in the terminal, not so much uh, just the desktop.
1: Yeah. So if you'd like a Christmas tree in the terminal, this one's a lot of fun. Although I didn't actually have a lot of success with the Pearl script. Kept getting an error with it. There is a very easy to execute Bash script lower down this article here. You double get from GitHub, and then you just execute the Bash script, and you have a very cute little Merry Christmas and lots of code in 2023 with an <laughs> ASCII Christmas tree with flickering lights. So that definitely brought a smile to my face, like a little Christmas cheer in the terminal. There you go. I-
0: actually really love this idea. So we will meet on Friday again, like we're going to do every week until state with the robotics kids. And I might set this up before everybody gets in the room so that when they walk in, we'll have a Christmas tree in the terminal for everybody.
1: Yeah, you'll have to enlarge the font a little bit to fill the screen. But I don't think that's a problem.
0: Yeah, that won't be a problem. And tons of fun.
1: Well,
2: Wendy, not only that, if you want to add a fireplace specifically into the terminal, you can also do that. Because (laughs) the next thing I ended up finding was somebody who created a log fire and rainstorm for the Linux terminal. Oh, my goodness. And it has yum and dnf and a few other things it's based on end
1: curses so there you go can't get much better than that
0: who needs the youtube videos that play a crackling fire when you can just put one on in your terminal?
1: exactly even
2: better use it with a drop down terminal oh <laughs> yes <Ooh. laughs> then it can <laughs> come and go as you need it to so <laughs> Uh, the Yawquake. Yep. Yawquake, yeah, Quake, you know, whatever ones you want to use.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic, right there.
2: Only Linux nerds like us would actually think of
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Find it enjoyable and exciting. I know if I were to throw that one up and then show my husband, he'd be like, uh, what am I looking
1: at? What are you doing here? <laughs> Why are you introducing these things? So, a game that I thought really fit Matt's genre of games ish. Bah humbug. <laughs> Lots of Bahamug. Yeah, something like that. Called Christmas Massacre. I think it's rather amusing. I mean, okay, don't conflate Massacre with Christmas. But they've done a lot of things like give a VHS filter to the game. It has kind of a very, I don't know, creepy movie vibe from like the 1980s or something feel to it. That it does. And you go around doing some massacring. So that to me... Seemed like a game that Matt would be into just because he likes a lot of the uh, really, I don't know, awful things.
2: Well, (laughs) to go along with that, I also have a game that you could equate to a Christmas movies as well. Wendy, you'll like these because they're the Tim Burton Batman movies, which generically Mm. take place around Christmas or that time of year. One of the games that actually has like a Christmas kind of theme to it is Batman Arkham Origins. So if you want to play a Batman game that's based around Christmas, or if you're in the mood for a Christmas game, there you go.
0: So is this game like saying that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Which if we're <laughs> having a debate on that, I'm going to agree that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. But this this a Christmas game? Like Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yes. Perfect. I
1: mean, there's snow in it. I haven't seen, I'm looking at the trailer right now and all the pictures, and I haven't seen anything that says Christmas. But okay, Matt, fine. We'll go with this.
2: (laughs) It's based in Gotham. I mean, let's be real. Dark.
0: Exactly.
1: That's pretty funny right there.
0: This game says it is similar to Red Dead Redemption 2, which Magneto has put quite a bit of time into recently. So... This might be a Christmas game for him.
2: Interesting game. It kind of concept wise around Batman year one. For those that don't know what that is, it's like the first year of actual Bruce Wayne being Batman. Oh. So this is very much the origin kind of deal, but fun game It is playable on Linux and you can play it on the Steam Deck too, Nate, by the way. It's a beat up kind of game. There's the one thing I do like about this, they put more emphasis on like Batman being a detective as opposed to just going around and beating people up. Like you would normally see in kind of the movies and all that stuff. So
1: nice. Well, a little bit of a uh, change of pace. There's a game called Christmas Mansion. Oh, it's in this team store. And where Elf is back, but he completes his quest to restore Winterland. It's basically just a puzzle game, kind of like Candy Crush, except with holiday themed items instead of the uh, gems or whatever Candy Crush is. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't played Candy Crush. That's kind of fun. You know, it might be like one of those little mindless games you can play. It's free. Doesn't look half bad as far as like the animations and such goes. Looks like fun. I'm sure it'll play on the Steam Deck. I have no idea.
0: I'm pretty (laughs) sure it will. It says the minimum requirements are Windows XP or later with a one gigahertz processor, two gigs of RAM, 128 megabytes of storage. It should run on your Steam Deck.
1: That's just too much. Yeah, that's going to (laughs) be rough right there. (laughs) There's some other aspects of it too. It's like a bunch of like little mini games in it. So it looks like it could be fun. It's probably good for the kids, you know, or if you need something mindless for uh, Crazy Uncle Rico to play and don't want to talk to the kids or something like that, you can have him play this in the corner. I don't know. It might be enough.
0: Casual, puzzle, colorful, 2D. It says funny. So there must be some elves cracking jokes inside of this. It looks like one of those guilty pleasure games. Like I say, yeah. Plants vs. Zombies is a guilty pleasure game. This is probably right along those Lines,
2: but another one that might be along the lines is what is something that most people can equate to building as a kid, Nate? Legos, Minecraft. I don't know, you are close. (laughs) Model trains, oh, model trains, oh, yes. And there is a model train which is called Model Railway Easily Christmas, and it is a hundred percent free. You want to set up a Christmas themed. Railway, go right ahead because it lets you do and make a train tracks and all the fun stuff with it and just be that creative type.
1: Yeah, actually, it looks like it could be fun. I mean, although I'd probably see if I could crash the trains instead, that's just how I'd want to play.
2: That's not what you're supposed to do,
1: Nate. I understand. And uh, watching some of the gameplay interactions with it, it looks very intuitive as far as you know how, yeah, how, you, how you build things. Maybe Uncle Rico would like this one.
0: One of the things that I like about it is it is fun to build with those old train sets, but you never have the right piece for the track you want to build. And this solves that problem.
1: Exactly. Or the other <laughs> problem is sometimes there's an issue with the trains themselves and they don't actually go like you want them to go. That could happen too. Right. So another fun one that I see, it's called No Crooks on Christmas. <laughs> So this would be like keeping Matt out of your house. No, I'm kidding, Matt. I don't think you're a crook. <laughs> I think you're crooked. No, I'm kidding. You're not, you're not even crooked here. You're, you're just an enabler. Yes. Do know,
2: <laughs> says the guy who put most of this list together. Right.
0: He was just trying to make up for all the games that you didn't share while you were gone.
2: I shared right. them with him. Whether or not he shared them on the show is totally on him.
1: <laughs> it's not about the truth. It's about what I'm accusing you of and you know you not doing your job and enabling. I didn't want people to know you actually were still trying. That's really the issue. So anyway, this is a defend your house against relentless onslaught of crooks to save Christmas, the tower defense style game. It looks very silly, and I think that's what makes it a good game to try, and it's free. So, you know, Merry Christmas. Enjoy that one.
0: Your personal version of Home Alone. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So is this next one that's here on the list, Ho 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 Home Invasion, a lot like that too?
1: I think so. This one is definitely more 3D. I don't want to say immersive because that's not quite it. A festive Christmas micro game they didn't consider calling Santa's game solid Help Santa complete his Santa training ahead of the Christmas period by delivering presents without getting caught. So I'm not sure the reference there. I mean, it looks kind of fun. You walk around as Santa. You put in presents. I think you're trying to avoid things, looks like. You're
0: trying to be sneaky.
1: You're trying to not get detected.
0: Yes. So our Santa is currently not sneaky enough. Kids are catching him. And so you got to take him back through the training. So he doesn't get caught while delivering gifts.
1: I think that sounds like fun. I'd probably lose.
0: (laughs) I probably would. I'm really not good with these top-down style games. I really am more of a first-person game player. But this is all in good fun. Might as well give it a go, especially where a lot of these games are free to play.
1: Oh, for sure. It'd be fun to test some of these out on my kids to see which ones they like.
0: Yeah, and the best part about it is if you don't like them, you can just easily uninstall them and not play them. Or if you love them and you like Christmas all year round, you can play them all year round or enjoy them through the rest of this season and then pick them up again December next year. There's a lot of different options here. So much fun stuff between. Having snow on your computer. Thank you, Gnome, for that. Or (laughs) Gnome, however I'm supposed to say it. Playing in the terminal with Christmas. I'm definitely sharing that with the robotics kids. And a great list of games, all Christmas-related, to play through the rest of the season.
1: This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentication such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. Make the smart move like many from the community and have a go at bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. If you're like me, though, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition starts at only $10 a year. And for that $10 premium account, you'll get things like one gigabyte encrypted file storage, 2-step login with YubiKey, U2F and Duo, Vault Health Reports, and so much more. Also, you'll get priority customer support. Huh? Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud.
0: Now we're not done with games and I haven't got to say this for a very long time. Matt, take us into game of the week.
2: The game of the week is actually, I'm not playing it necessarily on where i'm recommending you buy it currently the game is called yeast nine monstrum nox uh it is a shock surprise japanese role-playing
1: game shock surprise (laughs) indeed
2: yeah shock surprise kind of open world but the nice thing is that this is available on basically every single platform so for me i have it on the switch but if you actually want to own it and you have the pc GOG has it for 30% off right now as of the time of this recording whether or not it's still 30% off by the time the recording goes out couldn't tell you but if you enjoy kind of action RPGs and open world ish open hub I guess would probably be more accurate type games then this is definitely a fun game to play
0: you weren't around last week to hear me uh, make fun. Of your <laughs> Japanese RPG addiction, a bit, or what you look for in games and looking at the pictures. Yeah, it fits right in with what I mentioned. Sure does. I will take that clip from last week, package it up all nicely, and send it to you in our private chat because it is not safe to air.
1: So, Wendy, <laughs> here's the bad
2: man. <laughs>
0: It just I don't means get it. I'm number one.
2: That's right. No, I did it on both hands. <laughs> so that means you're number two, which in turn means <laughs> <laughs> So there's your bad mat. That wasn't too bad this Love time. It. Sometimes I mean phew. Oh, I don't even want to hear anything from you. I'm the good one today. <laughs> today. Today. Anyway, hey, I will say the Batman game is not my normal style of game. Thank you very much. <laughs> True.
0: <laughs> this one is definitely more on the spendy side though. So even though it is 30% off, it is a game that is up there in price. So do you think this one is worth that price then? I mean, I guess it is because you're recommending it, but what makes it worth that higher price even on sale? If
2: you like story-focused game, like the whole thing, I really like a lot of these JRPGs for me and the reason I make a lot of the recommendations specifically, it's not just the art style, which I know Wendy's going to give me flack on. <laughs> um, generically, really what it blows out to is like the story and the themes of the stories that they generically tell. And that's really why I recommend these games over, say, something like a Skyrim or an Oblivion or an Elder Scrolls type of game where it's big open world that there is a story kind of. Like, it's not its focus, it's go explore the big, empty, open world, and the combat's usually janky as crap. It usually takes modders to fix it, and insert 9,000 other things I really don't like about most Western games. (laughs) (laughs) They're very sword and sorcery and very standard. The Japanese RPGs specifically just kind of think outside of the box, and they story-wise, they do different things. There is tropes, not going to lie, anything that is in a genre has tropes. Hate to break it to you, <laughs> for those that want to argue about that. Yeah, I'm okay with tropes. Is it worth the full price? I would say yeah. I wouldn't say you're going to get 60 hours out of it. I mean, if you're kind of a completionist, you probably would. But you'll probably get a solid 40 out of it. I think, generically, if you're into the story end of the stuff, that's decent balance. I've paid more for shorter games.
0: So if you're getting this on the sale price, which right now is 42 US dollars, that's really close to your general rule of $10 an hour.
2: Not $10 an hour, a dollar an hour.
0: Yes, there we go. (laughs) I can't do math right now. I went to bed at 2 a.m. and then I went to town to go Christmas shopping today. So my brain is shot and we can tell that because my math skills.
2: But well, anyway, <laughs> so while I'm making game recommendations that will be questioned as usual by my co-host, I am questioning Nate's usual light controller stuff that he does with his you know, Christmas and my, my humbug around Christmas.
1: Well, sorry for you. What I've been playing around with lately is this software called or an application, a suite, I don't know, a system called WLED. It's a project that you can put on these ESP8266 controllers. They're tiny, they're cheap. By cheap, I mean, they're inexpensive. I don't know how reliable they are. I've only purchased a few over the years. They're little controllers that you can program with like an Arduino type interface. I'm sure you can use many, many different ways of programming them. But there's a real easy way to flash WLED on it with a Chromium-based browser. I have a lot of five-volt pixel light on my house. I put these pixel lights on to do the different you know, colors throughout the year or for different scenes and everything else, my little uh, festive light shows. When I initially purchased these, I bought five volt when I really needed 12 volt because five volt doesn't carry as far you Needed the 12 volts to carry the current further and, and so forth. Anyway, so I've, I've had like a thousand of these five volt lights just sitting in a box doing nothing. And I thought, well, what could I do with those? I decided to see if I could put WLED on some you know, ESP8266 controllers. And then I was thinking what I might do is put them in my kitchen, like between the top of the cabinets and the ceiling, and then as lights above the counter. So like, you know, underneath the cabinets above the counter, and also at the kickboard. And I think it's going to work. I don't have a mounting strategy in place yet, but it is fun to play with. WLED has got all kinds of neat little, uh, neat interface for determining how you want to control these things. You can create playlists as well. And then you can integrate that into Home Assistant. So I could actually control those lights just as I would any other light in my house from a Switch or whatever, but in a totally separate system, essentially. And it's really cool. I like playing with it. I'm still learning, on, I guess, how it thinks, essentially, to set things up really what I want. Mostly, I just want it for like mood lighting, I guess. You now I could have it do, you know, the house be green and red for Christmas and like above, you know, in different areas. And then I could also do St. Patrick's Day or to celebrate Open so I can make it green, things like that. And also just it's more subdued lighting than like the main lights in the house. So it'd be, you know, just more like dimmer ambient lighting where you don't want to have everything all bright as well. So that's what I've been playing with. I don't know exactly how I'm going to implement it yet as far as the in some areas, but I'm going to figure it out.
0: Last week, you'd mentioned these lights and how they weren't good for around the house because you were having all kinds of voltage drops with them. It's really cool that you have actually been able to find a use for them, which I mean, I should have known that you would because you're Nate and that's what you do. (laughs) But it's interesting to see how you've decided to use those lights.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit different than my usual way of utilizing outdoor lights. They're waterproof lights or highly water resistant anyway. So yeah, it's a little bit different. It's not my norm, but I think I'm going to enjoy it.
0: Do we get some pictures?
1: I can definitely send some pictures for sure. Eventually, I'm going to write something up on this. I just don't know exactly at what angle. I'm going to go with it. Yeah.
0: That'd be awesome. I'd at least love to get to see what this looks like with the implementation that you're using.
1: For sure. Well, Wendy, it looks like you got success in running the CryCut Cricket on Linux.
0: I love how every single week, this is three weeks in a row, that you make fun of the name of it as you're (laughs) introducing the topic.
1: Yeah, well, old habits die hard.
0: Yes, absolutely, for sure. So last week it had arrived. I hadn't even pulled it out of the box when I was talking about the fact that I had went ahead and ordered it. I've also been talking to some different people on Mastodon about the device itself, which has been quite interesting, those different conversations. And you can head over to Mastodon and check them out yourself. Well, I had spent a lot of time before it came trying to figure out how I was going to get it to run on my Linux system. Looked it up on Wine saying, yep, it will work. And we even got some feedback from a listener already. We're recording on a Wednesday and the show from last week so episode 43 dropped today and we've already got some excellent feedback this one is from Johnny and he says hi all love the show i have a suggestion for wendy and her cricket machine you could try shortcuts a lot he gives the address I don't have a Cricut nor have I ever used one but when searching www this is an alternative people suggest anyway have fun. Thank you so much for that suggestion and I did go ahead get it downloaded and I couldn't find my machine inside of that one even though it says it does use my Cricut machine. So I will do some more searching and digging around on that. And in the process of trying to get this installed, I was thinking that, well, maybe I should go ahead and install Garuda because it has all of this awesome wine stuff already installed and configured. I'd been trying to use bottles on both my Manjaro system and on the Fedora ones, and it kept hanging up. It would say, we're almost done, just a few more seconds. And it never would finish loading. It was stuck on this starting up death screen and never went any further. Well, I'd installed Garuda and made some changes to the UI because while they enjoy their theming, it is not what I was coming to Garuda for. And so, yes, I have changed some things up. It is no longer (laughs) looking like the Dragonized Edition. But I love all the work that they go ahead and put into this distro. I fired up bottles and I was getting the exact same problem. And I had done some searching before trying to find out what was going on. And I wasn't getting any answers to that. I wasn't finding any threads as to why this was a problem because I figured I wasn't the first one. But when I put bottles and Garuda together in a search, there actually was a thread that talked about this. So the current version that comes installed with Garuda and what is in the main repos has a bug, known bug, it's in fixed And if you use the Git version, it works just fine. So that's what I went ahead and did. I uninstalled the version that came with the Garuda repos, installed the Git version, and from there installed Cricut Design Space. Now I've been doing most of my actual designing inside of Inkscape. And the downside of this one is I still can't connect my device over Bluetooth or USB. So I'll do most of my designing in ink space, then I will pull it into the Cricut design software so I can set up what each layer needs to do. Is it going to cut? Is it going to emboss? Is it going to foil? Yeah, I can do lots of different things. Set that up, then from my Android tablet, I can send it to the printer. Hopefully, eventually, I'll be able to send stuff directly to the printer from my main system. That would be ideal. I really don't want to set up a virtual machine to do that. And I am doing a bit of a rigmarole in order to get this to work. There are other systems. There are other cutters that work out of the box with Linux with things like InkCut, which I did check out and is a pretty interesting piece of software. And in some of the conversations I've had with people on Mastodon, it's part of the reason why they've chosen other machines, just because they can use them without the proprietary software at all. But I really didn't want to cut just paper or just vinyl. I like that this one can do wood, that it can work with leather, and so many other different things. So it's kind of a give and take. It's that talk that we've had before of using the open source world and the proprietary world and trying to make that work together in our lives. Now, one thing that I will not do is put Windows straight up on my main system to use it. I will not take that step. And right now, even though I'm having to jump through some hoops, I am getting it to work. We've already cut out lots of different things. My daughter had taken a pattern From a website that has multiple layers and it's a betta fish. So the betta fish is super, super colorful when you're done cutting it out. We've made Christmas cards. I have etched a wine glass with my name on it. And there's a lot of gifts that we are planning on handing out with some personalizations that we can do now from home. So I say, is it 100% open source friendly? No. Are there some workarounds? Yes. And you definitely have to put in the work to make that happen. Bottles is an amazing application. I wish I would have known about this sooner. Not that I'm actually running a whole lot of Windows software. But Corel had some stuff on Humble Bundle, and I was actually half tempted to pick it up because I could just install it in a bottle.
1: Yeah, and... There's a lot of history with Corel and a lot of people have used it over the years. So that might not be a bad choice either. It's a little bit outside of my realm of knowledge. Pretty much everything I understand is like the Adobe side of things, which I'm sure there's probably an Adobe Illustrator plugin as well, but who wants to pay for that?
0: Right, exactly. And Corel is where I started when I started editing pictures. That's where I was before the switch to Linux. So some of me wants to look at it again and see what it's like. Getting it from like a humble bundle, I don't feel quite so bad because I'm not dropping a whole lot of money on a program that I'm not necessarily going to use all the time. But I can kind of play with and see what that side of the software world currently has going on because I haven't played with it in literally years.
1: I'm sure it's like a bicycle. I can hop right back on after not using it in a while. I'm sure it'll be fine.
0: Yeah. As I continue to work through this, figuring out how to make it work the best possibly way that I can on my Linux system. I will share that with you. Thank you so much to the community for the feedback I've gotten so far. Absolutely love it. Even if I'm not the quickest to get a response to you, I'll get there eventually. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topic. Hit the discourse form, drop us a line under this video, or contact form by visiting textdigital.com slash contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links in the bottom of the show description. Find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, Linux Saloon, and don't forget the Pseudo Show. Yeah, our buddy Bill's on there too. And more at TuxDigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I-pause-my-game-to-be-here shirt, Matt's favorite, or join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter-friendly conversation somewhat on topic and have fun doing it.